Hey everyone, welcome back to But Why the Podcast, the podcast where every week myself, Adrian, and Matt talk about the things in pop culture that people say matter and ask the question, but why though? Before we get started, just wanted to make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. It's the easiest way that you can support us. But if you want to support us a little bit more, head on over to patreon.com slash butwhythoopc. And as always, enjoy the show. And today we are covering a video game franchise that turned into a regular franchise. We're talking about Carmen San Diego. As always, I'm your host Kate, and here with Adrian. Hey, how's it going? Hello. And with Carmen San Diego debuting this Friday, January 18th, we wanted to dive into the mysterious figure that taught a whole bunch of us history. Um, so, who is Carmen San Diego, guys? That's the question. Do you want me to go first? Yes. <laughs> this is going to be Carmen San Diego is the uh, woman that broke up and stole the jacket of the guy on Robot Chicken, where he goes crazy and takes all the kids from the game show to go find her. <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> and eventually wrecks the car with the poor children after his heart has been broken as he tries to get his jacket. I'm not surprised by that answer. Adrian. Uh... That's all I can think of now. Robot <laughs> chick. Admittedly, like I was never really big into Carmen San Diego, like when I was a kid. So like, I really know nothing outside of like the memes and Robot Chicken. Uh, so to me, Carmen San Diego is just a big meme in my head. <laughs> um. So Carmen San Diego is the antihero of her own series and is the head of the Vile Corporation. I know and love Carmen Sandiego um, since my parents uh, got, whether they were illegal copies or legal copies, um, almost all of the Carmen Sandiego games from the 90s when they rebooted the series. Um, So she taught me a lot of history. Um, And I loved her, and then my mom realized I wanted to be like her, and she had to research to make sure that Carmen Sandiego wasn't a straight uh, villain. (laughs) (laughs) Did she buy you an outfit and everything? No. Like the nice hat didn't. and then like the coat. No. no. Oh, come on. Come so on. I did, although my aunt did make me a Xena costume one time. So I did play some of the games. Obviously, they were like, you know, back in the day with the PC stuff that were pretty, you know, whatnot. But I don't remember which ones I played. I just know I played a little bit of the games. And I believe they did, had, a, didn't they have a show on there? Yeah, yeah, so there are a lot of games, and there are two shows. Yes, yeah, so I've seen some of the coming. show, but obviously it's been so long, because this thing's, what, been around for almost 30-something this years? This has been along since 1985. Yeah, thing's older than I am. <laughs> Finally, something older than Matt. <laughs> okay, so let's go into a little bit of history. Carmen Sandiego is a series of American educational mystery video games which spawned an edu- edutainment franchise of the same name that started in 1985. And if you haven't heard the word edutainment, edutainment specifically means any sort of entertainment made around educating people. It doesn't necessarily have to be kids, although it mostly is. So if you think about Sesame Street or Dragon Tales, mostly Sesame Street, that's edutainment. Um, video games, like, um, I don't know if y'all remember Zoom Beanies. Zoom Beanies! <laughs> make me a pizza! Yeah, uh, Zoom Beanies, um, that's all edutainment. It's entertainment with the focus of teaching. Um, unfortunately, this is at the beginning of edutainment, at least in the video game medium. So there is a lot of history here with not a lot of dissection. Um, I hope that that changes. 
So the series was originally owned by Broderbund, but is later owned by The Learning Company, and The Learning Company is pretty much the guys who did almost all the edutainment games that we had in our schools. Um, and their latest release was Carmen San Diego Returns in 2015. Since its initial release, the series has won over 125 awards. Um, the character of Carmen San Diego was developed by David Siefkin, who drafted the first script of the game for Broderbund at the University of California, Berkeley, in 1984. Siefkin, in order to come up with the character, he combined the first name and last names from the Brazilian singer and actress Carmen Miranda and the, sa and the city of San Diego, obviously. Uh, Carmen San Diego was just one of several villains in the original script. That being said, she was chosen for the title role by the early project manager, Catherine Bird, because her name suggested, uh, suggested mystery and exoticism, um, as well as humor. She was brown and had a funny name. That's pretty much what that equates to. Um, Siefkin then departed the project shortly after writing the first script to become a foreign service officer for the U.S. State Department and served as a press and cultural attache in several of the countries that were then featured in the game. So that's a pretty so big trajectory. She, <laughs> she, so she's a fancy way to say spy? <laughs> or a vile agent. <laughs> Um, so the story slowly formed into what we know of today. Carmen San Diego was a jet-setting thief in charge of her own criminal empire known as Vile, V-I-L-E, which was constantly pursued by the Acme Detective Agency and the Gumshoes known as Player, which was us. And I don't know if that's a Looney Tunes reference or not. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Like, is it, like, the same... Because I also know that there's, like, a hardware store or... named Acme, which I always thought was, like, Looney Tunes and stuff when I was little. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'll look into it while you like, go through is... the stuff, because I'm also super curious <laughs> if it says any relation. Yeah, at this point, it's well before my time, so I don't know. You can't say back in my day. Back before my day? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so first and foremost, we have to talk about the Carmen Sandiego video games because this is where she started and this is where we all got introduced. So the first video game, Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego, which came out in 1985, is as follows. The goal of the game is to track Carmen's villains around the world and arrest them and later ultimately wind up arresting Carmen herself. In order to make an arrest, the user had to have a warrant for the correct villain. The player began the game by visiting the city and country where the crime took place, and then obtaining hints from the bystanders on where the thief went next, leading them to a chase around the world to find, their, the, to find the thief before they get away. In the process, the player collected clues about the villain's identity to determine who the culprit is. When the player reached his or her final destination, the player presented the accurate warrant to arrest the villain. Um, and if you didn't have the accurate warrant, you had to start all over again. Um, the rebooted version of this game came out in 1996 with a new gameplay interface and animated characters. This version also features QuickTime videos of Lynn Thigpen um, reprising her role as the chief um, from the eponymous PBS game show. QuickTime videos. Oh, yeah. Um, so the next game after that was Where in the USA is Carmen Sandiego? Um, and similar to, the uh, similar to Where in the World, the goal of the game was to track Carmen's villains and herself throughout the United States and arrest them. Um, and pretty much that was how it went. This is the formula that the game sticks with through almost all of its itera iterations. Um, and it, the difficulty depends on where you are, and it also covers pretty much all time and even space. After that, you actually had Where in North Dakota is Carmen Sandiego that came out between this, uh, the USA and the next game, Where in Europe is Carmen Sandiego. I don't know why they chose North Dakota to hide nothing, her. There's nothing in North did. Dakota, and you could probably get lost trying to find somebody in North Dakota. <laughs> yeah, but you go from, like, San Diego to 
North Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just a very. Well, I guess it leads to the question uh, though, in of the whole... like, I guess if you were hiding, would you be better off hiding in a city full of like million, like say Los Angeles or something like that, with like you know three million people or something like that, or obviously I think Los Angeles is way bigger than that, but or hiding in the mountains like in a North Dakota. Now in or Jack? back then, either. Because I think now, technically, it would make more sense to just go into the mountains and or hide in, like, not a city because of all of the facial recognition software and everything that we have. Like, pretty much our digital footprints are everywhere when we live in a city. But I think back then, a city probably had the best cover because there were so many people that you had to go through um, and not that type of tech. But, I mean, we do have satellites, Hmm? We have satellites. Now? Yes. Yeah. yeah. What's I'm saying though, so, like finding so a person, go... finding a person in the mountains. I mean, I guess it could be hard still, but I mean, it's kind of. I guess it depends on how. Would... If you delete your digital footprint, then what are the satellites going to get onto? The only person use, like... sitting outside making, like, cooking, like a fire. Yeah. Uh, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like you run a bigger risk in the city, because digital footprints are terrible in the city no i but yeah no i think you're right. uh if if movies have told me anything it just depends on who's looking for That's you probably true too. <laughs> but no i think yeah. you are right with the digital footprint you're probably more worse off in the city now even though yeah. it's weird to say that yeah that and like just think about it like if you have any sort sort of sort of technology on you they're going to be able to trace you. And then on top of that, any sort of technology that you interact with, almost everything has its own camera now. Um, it would just be really hard to get away with it, in my opinion. Especially when you got a big red hat. True. <laughs> um, after some f- furious digging on the acne situation, um, I don't think they're related because there's a lot, like you said, there's lots of acnes in just like a whole bunch of stuff like the acne is like all over the place um but i don't think they're connected but the literal definition of acne is the point at which someone or something is the best perfect or most successful so i think it's just meant to be a literal definition of their detective that sounds about right yeah so (laughs) no wily coyote or anything like that in carmen san diego unless there's a crossover which i guess could happen Um, okay, so the next game was where in Europe is Carmen Sandiego in 1988, and the reason this one is really cool is because it focuses exclusively on European history and geography. The player is sent to the location and has to find the clues to the next location and builds up a warrant along the way, so pretty same, pretty much the exact same structure. However, this was the first of the games to have a database built into the crime computer that you would use, and this would let pay- players narrow down their next stop by entering information such as flag colors, currency use, or, lang- or language mentions. It was a way to actually show kids how to use a database and visually show deductive reasoning. Um, so where in time in this Carmen San Diego is the 1889 title. And the goal of this game was to track Carmen's villains, Carmen and her villains through history and then arrest them. Same thing. Um, but the rebooted version was released in 1997 and was later renamed Carmen San Diego's Great Chase Through Time. I had this game and it was amazing. And this is how I learned about Hatshepsut. Um, and this version was heavily influenced by and features villains from the short-lived PBS game show. So a lot of the stuff in this in the 90s period is going to be either, either influenced by the game show on PBS or by the animated series. So then came Where in America's Past is Carmen Sandiego in 1991 and this game is widely considered the most infra- most informational game of the entire series though it may contain contain some minute differences from the main series it still remains true to it and the game's aim is to capture carmen again and her thieves um and but this is done by searching for the clues trailing them identifying them and bringing them to trial obviously um, one of the main differences is that the player actually receives in-game help, and that's the first time that that ha- that this happens in the series. See, so 90 you... children needing help with everything. Oh my god, man. No. <laughs> no. No! Put old man Matt back. Um, 
Where in Space is in Carmen San Diego is the next one that came out in 1993. And this one's really cool. So the intention of this game was to teach astronomy as opposed to the history that it had been teaching. So the player at uh, history and geography. Um, the player flies in a rocket ship throughout the solar system, interrogating various alien life forms in order to solve the theft of an important part of the solar system, um, like Saturn's rings. There was only <laughs> a limited amount of fuel available for the travel, though. So if the player did not ask the right questions on the right planets or follow the wrong clues, the criminals would get away really easily and you'd have to start over. Um, so I think I remember playing this one. This one is was fun. Yes. I definitely remember this one. I like that she just has like a helmet on, <laughs> and, like <laughs> as her spacesuit, but still has like her red hat in the helmet. So here's another it. fun question: Do you think you'd be would it be harder to find you if you went through space or through time? Even though technically, if we go through the physics, they're kind of one and the same, but still. Uh, how fast am I going in space? How far back in time are you going? Well, if like, I'm like crawling through space, I think it'd be pretty easy to like see which way I'm going. But if I'm going at like a light year, I go in one direction. I think I'm pretty pretty well, much gone. I guess a better question, like hiding wise. If you get to. I think I'd just go back in time. I, I, I like my chances better of like living. I feel like I would say space, just because I feel like you would keep like kind of for the same reasons as the city thing. Like I feel like you would have to, you would be leaving pieces, kind of like if you think about like Legends of Tomorrow, like the way they find what they're searching for is because they know the historical record, and if it gets altered, then they know where they need to be. Yeah, this is too. I don't have enough information, Matt. <laughs> am I am I limited on I'm my fuel? I'm filling it in, Adrian. You have, can fill it in too. Do I have enough? Do I have enough food in space? Like, I, I need I need this information. How is my? Do I have a limited amount of fuel? And if I run out of fuel, are they going to catch me? <laughs> is there a hospitable planet I can crash on? Are the transformers I mean, you get, you get your somewhere out there? Helmet. Like, I I need this information. You get your livable <laughs> helmet that fits a whole hat. <laughs> This game does look fun though. Like this, this space one specifically looks like a good time. Like it reminds me of like these the education Did games you just say that I used to play. Asian education <laughs> games that I used to play when I was when I was. I couldn't remember the words you said at the very beginning. Yeah, I was like education is how we be saying it here in Texas. <laughs> we get that's our how, education. That's how we do. We get our, oh, get our that education will come through up later. Zoom and. But this one looks fun. I like this one. I want to go play this one. Um, fun fact of the day, edutainment, put it on a shirt. Um, <laughs> so uh, the next game was the Junior Detective Edition that came out in 1995. And this is when we first see the appearance of Chase Devenu. And this guy pretty much replaces the chief. He's the person who sends you stuff and you interact with him the most instead of the iconic chief character. Um, instead, you end up interacting with an off-screen chief the entire time. So he's not actually the chief, but he's your main point of contact. It's weird. Um, so Junior Detective Edition features characters from Where on Earth, from the Where on Earth in Carmen San Diego animated series. And it uses a simplified version of the standard gameplay, but it uses that simplified version because this is geared towards way younger players. So um, the standard would be probably middle school is what you're looking at for, or like late elementary to middle or early middle school for um, the other Carmen San Diego games or Carmen San Diego more broadly. And these would be um, younger elementary school children. Um, then you have Carmen San Diego World Detective in 1987, also featuring Chase Devenu. Uh, it, it's like one of those weird Cajun names, so like probably not saying it right. Um, yeah, probably not. <laughs> but it's okay. I said education. So I think I think, I, think I can mess up as much as I want this episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, this game is intended to teach language arts for kids age nine, um, ages nine through twelve. And in the game, Carmen San Diego has invented a machine called the Babylon machine. Get it? It's a pun. Babylon, Babylon, um, Tower of Babel. Okay. Um, and the user 
playing the role of Agent 13, <laughs> has to thwart her plans and free all the other agents which have been captured by Carmen. Um, in 1998, you get Carmen Sandiego Math Detective. Um, this game was intended to teach math for kids 9 through um, nine through 12, ages 9 through 12, and the game features Chase Devineau again, and Carmen Sandiego has invented yet another machine called the Quantum Crystallizer, and the user, playing the role of Agent 9, has to thwart her plans and restore 12 landmarks that Carmen has shrunk with the machine. Then you have Carmen's Think Quick Challenge, and this is the first title in the Carmen Sandiego series to be released by the Learning Company. The game features Chase Devineau, uh, still not saying that right, and it bugs me, um, instead of the Chief again, and Carmen Sandiego has invented no bots to steal knowledge, and the player or players have to try and thwart her plans. The game is set up much like the uh, Carmen Sandiego game show on PBS, and it is the only multiplayer game in the series. Then you have Where in the World, Carmen Sandiego, Treasures of Knowledge in 2001. And then you have Carmen Sandiego, The Secret of the Stolen Drums. And this is the first in the series to give the player complete control of a 3D character. Um, the avatar, named Cole, must maneuver through stages including a museum in New York City, the beaches in New Zealand, and Machu Picchu. The player fights against Carmen's robots and spirits to prevent her from stealing an enchanted diamond, the repository of all knowledge of nations. I don't know why it's a stolen drums if they're trying to get a diamond. Um, and then you just go into like this onslaught of like more recent games that really kind of just reiterate on what Carmen's done. So Carmen San Diego Adventures in Math, 2011-2012, um, that was for the Wii. The Lady Liberty Larceny on 2011. <laughs> the Big Ben Burglary in 2011. The Case of the Crumbling Cathedral in 2012. Did Stan Lee write these titles? Um, I know, right? Like, the alliteration <laughs> is amazing. And it makes you want to play them even more. The, the Great Gateway Grab in 2012. The Island of Diamonds, that one's a letdown. I expected Boo. something else. Island of Diamonds, um, also in 2012. Where in the world is Carmen Sandiego's luggage? And then the Clue Finders Mystery Mansion Arcade. Um, all of that is to say she has a solid footprint in video games. Um, but she also has a solid, stuff, a solid footprint in TV, too. So if you didn't see her in video games, you probably caught one of these shows. Um, the first was Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego video uh, game show which was hosted on pbs um this one was really cool it's kind of legends of the hidden temple-esque in that they ask historical and geographic questions um and it was an american half hour children's tv show and it was hosted by greg lee and eh, and he was joined by lynn thigpen who is the iconic voice of the chief and the acapella vocal group rockapella which has probably the only Carmen, and Carmen San Diego song that I remember. Um, it's just them singing a cappella. Um, and they served as the show's in house band. Um, the series was videotaped in New York City at Lifetime Studios and co produced by WQED and WGBH TV. And it aired from 1991 to 1995. And there are almost 300 episodes with 296 episodes over five seasons Oof. that's a lot i don't think people yeah, realize how much big... people like old seasons of tv shows just pumped out episodes i think we've talked about yeah. it before i think we talked about it on people are like Rogers, oh there's right? a 13 episode season mm -hmm. like no back in the day you were doing like 40 50 yep yep yep, yep, yep. um and all but one have aired one didn't air because the winning gumshoe, so each of the children participating in the program, were called gumshoes. And uh, the winner actually fell going to go receive the prize and broke her arm. And so they didn't air it. Ah, uh, that's quality television. That is Kate if she did a game show. Um, that's quality television. They should have just let her fall and then like she won, right? <laughs> so like, you know, she gets on some YouTube... This is before YouTube. No one, no one's going to see it. 
That's good. Um, the show itself won seven daytime Emmys and a 1992 Peabody Award. And in 2001, TV Guide ranked the show number 47 on the list of 50 greatest game shows of all time. No, Matt, I did not do the extra work to go get an updated list. <laughs> I was like, am I supposed to care about the I'll TV Guide from I'll... 2001? <laughs> I'll Adrian, find one for you. Get Matt. to no the worries. Google. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, followed by that, you have Where on Earth is Carmen San Diego? And this was an animated TV series. Um, it was based on the computer games and it originally aired Saturday mornings on Fox during Fox Kids Block. Saw this. In Yeah, I did too. Um, its episodes have subsequently been repeated um, in, in syndication on Fox Family Packs and the short lived Girls Channel. With a Z. This, with a Z. Because 2000s. Um, the series won a Daytime Emmy Award for Outstanding Children's Animated Program in 1995. And in the same year, was spun off into Where in the World Styled Video Games. Um, and those are the ones we talked about earlier. The Junior Detective Series and on. Um, in this version, Carmen Sandiego is a former agent of Acme who left when she sought a greater challenge and has a strong code of ethics when stealing items. The player is a live-action unseen character who bookends acts by communicating with Carmen. It is implied that to them, the television series is a video game that they are playing from a computer. While Carmen is originally presented as the show's antagonist, as the series progresses, she becomes more like an anti-hero. Other characters who assume the role of villain include... Get ready for these names. Um, Dr. Cerebellum. Yeah. Dr. Gunnar Maelstrom, Mason Dixon, and Lee Jordan. Um, and that's pretty much the history. Um, that was kind of fast. Um, so we're going to go into the but why those. Um, and the first one is edutainment. Edumacation? <laughs> Okay, I said education, and Kate can't say Devereaux, but I'm the one who gets, <laughs> you know that? Okay. All right. Sorry, Matt. I grew up in the ghetto. You <laughs> say education, bro. That's how it works. Oh, it was gosh. disappointing listening to her say Devereaux, uh, considering that's like a spy name that they had like all through. Like, I know. I realized it after I stopped saying <laughs> it. I was just like, I was, was like, did you not watch okay. any of Psych? Shut up. <laughs> uh, on the education front, the only list I can find that this show was on was a ranker list that has like twenty eight thousand oh votes, and it had it was like forty one on that top fifty list, and I can't really find it anywhere else. That's two thousand one stands. Also, like, there's a lot of gaming shows <laughs> in the world. <laughs> there's a lot. I think it also just shows, even if obviously it's still outdated and whatnot, but it does show that like as of the time. When it was peak, it still it was kind of up there. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So, on the entertainment standpoint, the previous show that we just talked about um, helped make this accessible to everyone. So, the goal of the video games was to teach kids, and video games and the equipment that you play them on kind of price stuff out. So what public access television does and PBS does is it allows for accessible education TV, educational TV. And Carmen Sandiego, um, the TV, the game show, was inspired by an actual study that said kids didn't know geography. The sad part is I still don't think they know geography. We no, they don't. Lack maps. Because uh, as we will see, American school systems are not the best. Yeah, as someone who works in high school, uh, kids don't know geography at all. No, I think it's just no, also just sad because, I mean, we talk about, like, the differences because of how, I mean, just the system of general. But, like, I feel like because our um, – basically how far and large the U.S. is, geography within the U.S. is important. But it's not as important as, say, Europe where you're, like, in two hours you can go through, like, probably three countries. Yeah. Yeah, and especially since we're in Texas, and you drive three hours, and you're yeah. still in Texas. Yeah. And then you drive another three hours, and you're still in Texas. Yeah, no, I think that's completely right. And it also, I mean, honestly, though, like, what that does, too, is it feeds into that idea of American ex- exceptionalism, which kind of stunts a lot of the growth that we Correct. have in our school systems. Um, yeah, for it, sure. It lets us be isolationists because we don't need to know it to get by. 
Um, I, I don't yeah. mean what I just said, but <laughs> that is the thought. Yeah, she, <laughs> she, she bunny quoted for, for our listeners. We, we yeah. saw it. <laughs> um, so what the study, um, so following the success of the computer games, they knew they wanted to do something. And when the study came out from National Geographic saying that one in four, four Americans couldn't locate the Pacific Ocean on a map, they said, well, guys, we should probably put this on public access television because our kids should know how to find a damn ocean that is very large. The funny thing is, I bet we could do that today, and I bet we could get maybe not one, in, maybe not quite as high as one in four, but I bet we could go maybe one in six. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Jimmy Kimmel's done it on his show, and I, I know like they just like get like all the ones who get it wrong, but I'm pretty sure if like Kimmel has a skit where he goes and ask people to find stuff on a map and they probably can't do it. So yeah, and that's now. I can't even imagine back in the nineties. Yeah, uh, not to mention social media has made us more feel more connected without actually making us be able to utilize things um, like geography. Um, but the cool thing is, and this is kind of like a side note, but Google Maps is running like different types of educational programs to help teach kids these things. Um, but public schools need to let them in because they can't help them if the school board say no sadly um this is gonna get depressing so um (laughs) the show um the other cool thing is that the show actually took top new york city kids from middle school geography classes so they would actually go into geography classes in new york city and they would test them and essentially like the top three out of a class would come out and then go compete um, and so they brought them and the program was recorded in Queens. So these were all local students. And this is also one of the reasons why the cast was so diverse too, because they didn't just stick to private schools or anything else. They brought kids from the New York city public school system and brought them here. And if you watch some of the old recordings and some of like the archived episodes, it like not only with the chief, but just like the makeup of the kids, like it looks like what you see out of school or what you would expect to see in a diver- in a diverse city like a new york city or a houston um or something like yeah that. that's super cool that, that was gonna be my question because i never watched the show but i do remember like watching things like hidden temple as a kid and, and things like that and a lot of those kids didn't look like me so my question was gonna be like did if they're pulling from that area that's so diverse so it's good to see that they were like ahead of the curve and making sure that they were getting diverse kids to be a part of their show if they're like their whole reason is to educate kids you want to see kids who look like you know things so you know that you can know those things too and the cool thing was too is all the students who came on there they beat out all the other students in their class to be on the show um yeah it was kind of like the best of the best gumshoes got to go and attempt to catch carmen um which is really awesome um and i also think it has to do with the fact that it was a public access it, it was pretty much a public access programming kind of how we talked about our mr rogers it just lets you get a wider sample size and you don't have a studio picking kids that look the right way or will sell or will get somebody in the audience which i love legend of the hidden temple but like a lot of those kids and like gas and all the other shows or double dare they're all picked because like their families have a cool story or they will hit a demographic and the really great thing that public access television does is it really allows for you to look into your area and pick up people who are the best of your area or just give that outlet for people in your area in general um go pay your pbs people um we know they're not getting funding from the government (laughs) <laughs> oh so jesus <laughs> i told you it's gonna get sad and we haven't even got into the uh the educational standpoint in the history pieces um so the cool thing was too was if a gumshoe received a, a one they received a trip to anywhere in the united states and the runners-up received um prizes provided by national geographic world so national geographic world provided all the prizes and confirmed all the question answers and helped structure them in um you essentially had a group of researchers saying these are the best questions to ask kids and this is how you should ask them to help them learn and that is how the programming was structured um so from point a to point b to point z this entire program was based around education and people who know how to educate um, which is really good. 
Um, the other thing that really helped with the edutainment factor was humor and riddles used throughout the game. Um, there's a whole bunch of silly humor that is a really big distinctive style with wordplay and an extensive use of puns, rhymes, and alliteration, as we heard just in my brief recap of the history. Um, it's also present in varied degrees in all of the TV shows as well. Um, there are gag names like Hardly Worth It or Rob M. Blind, <laughs> Ruth Less, Joy Ryder, M.T. Pockets. Um, that's kind of what you can expect from the series. And were quite frequently used in the games, often a point where Carmen herself seemed to be the only person without a name that was like that. Um, clues about the suspect's next destination often use extended puns. For example, I'm pumped. I pumped her for information, but her unrefined answer only suggested a crude plan to visit oil wells near Ava's. Um, or rhyming couplets. Um, although Carmen's vile gang members were often portrayed as cartoonish buffoons, they also seemed really capable of stealing landmarks, cities, national parks, and cultural exports, and pretty much everything else. Um, her thieves have also been known to steal geographic features and even non-existent match map features such as the Mason-Dixon line. Um, some thefts were even non-sequiturs based on a wordplay, such as robbing the banks of the Nile, or um, the word steal, such as stealing <laughs> the show. Um, I that like these. is to say, I like, I like them is so when good. <laughs> you're a kid, and even now, like this type of wordplay makes you not only laugh or get engaged but it also causes your brain to work in a different problem solving way this is one of the reasons why they tell you to do word puzzles and puzzles in general as you get older to keep your mind sharp so um it's a really really good learning tool and it's a really good way to get stuff to stick almost like mnemonic devices um so a lot of great learning here um the thing i have to bring up to you is representation um it has been uh, one of the most overwhelmingly positive and progressive forms of diverse edutainment franchises in history. Um, this is specifically talking about education-based entertainment and is almost single-handedly defined what, and the game itself ends up single-handedly defining what an educational video game should look like. It's the basis that everything else is built on um, that has, that has a, a narrative to it. Um, and they do this by having the two main people that you interact with be women of color, which is really cool. Um, so my mom had like a kind of Peggy Hill hairdo that kind of looked like the Chiefs. So I used to make my mom read newspaper headlines in like a, a Chief-like voice. Um, but I was like, my mom's brown and the Chief's brown. Therefore, my mom can talk like the Chief. Um, <laughs> and if you don't know, um, the Chief is portrayed by a black woman. And she is iconic. And... Um... Is that in the, yeah, the game yeah, and the in like, the TV show? the same actress from the game show is also in the game. Yep. That's super dope. Yeah, it's I like that. amazing. Um, and Carmen herself is Latina. Um, she has been voiced by Rita Moreno, and she's going to be voiced by Gina Rodriguez in the show coming on Friday. Um, although, when they were going to do a live action, Sandra Bullock was slotted to play her. Um, Ew! So... Why? I love I love, I, I love me some Sandy Bullocks, but I was Jesus. About to say, I love the just... woman from Bird Box, but <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so bad, man. Um, that's bad. Yeah. Um but now we have Gina Rodriguez Pointer. Yeah, so like, I I'd imagine if it goes well, I mean I'm sure Gina would be like the person slated to do the live action. Oh right? yeah, like she they would have would... to be. Essentially, even with the problems that Gina has and the problems that she shows that are perpetuated in Latin culture, she is at least a Latina playing a Latina character, um, which, as you heard in the beginning of the show, this character is based off of Carmen Miranda, um, who was a Brazilian actor and singer. Um, the cool thing is that she was voiced by Rita Moreno, who is an EGOT. She won an Emmy, a Tony, a Grammy, an Oscar. <laughs> Wait, Emmy... Grammy, nice. Oscar, Tony. Yeah, she's got all of those, um, which there are only like six people in history to have an EGOT. 
and she does. Um, so that's really cool. Um, the other but why though is this franchise, the shows, and the games are way more than just history books. In fact, you actually get to learn about Japanese American internment camps. Um, and my favorite was Hatshepsut, which if you don't know, like if you know about Egyptian history, you know about Cleopatra, you know about Nefertiri, but you don't really know a lot about Hatshepsut. Um, and Hatshepsut was a uh, female pharaoh who actually dressed up as a man in order to be a pharaoh. So for the longest time, they didn't know that she was actually a woman because all of her statues showed her in male garb and including the um, the goatee thing that they had. Um, and it's really cool because I, I vividly remember this because I was a tomboy at the time and I really, really, really loved Egypt because me and my dad watched Egyptology stuff and learning about Hatshepsut was really, really cool. Um, because she wasn't a queen, she was an actual pharaoh, and and that was just awesome, and that's something that you didn't really learn in other stuff. Um, but on top of that, because the series focused on dates, events, and statistics, it was easier for them to really provide a more inclusive stance on historical education, and it situated it in multiple locations and times that it accurately portrayed history, or at least came pretty close. Obviously, this is a children's game, and you can't necessarily talk about, you know, the bloody genocide of entire peoples. That brings us to the next Oof. thing, that American history books rarely focus on anything outside of the U.S., and whenever it has to deal with anything that is wrong in its history, it glosses over it, erases it, or completely renames it to make it seem like it was fine. Essentially, the American public school system really focuses on a sanitized version of history that does less to teach kids about where they've come from and more to reify this idea that America is perfect and can do no wrong. Um, it's one of the reasons why in Texas it's actually pretty hard to learn Chicano history despite being the building blocks of this country. The cool thing is, is with with this game series, it doesn't do any of that. It focuses on what the history is in the time and place that it's at, which means that you actually get a well-rounded education on not only geography, math, astronomy, um, but also on the histories of areas that you would not get in your history books or would just be a footnote. Um, as of 2011, there hadn't been a single academic paper written on the game. I got that from an article. I looked it up. I could not find any ac academic papers written on Carmen Sandiego, um, with the exception of one that really wasn't about its educational value. Um, and this is what my other but why though is, which is more of a, like an actual question. Like, where is Carmen Sandiego? Because... You would think that the building block of educational video games would be in academic papers and be used to show um, how video games can help people learn, um, but it's not. And unfortunately, I think that's a byproduct of the time and when it was situated, and specifically that even now video games are ignored a lot of the time as a medium that is just there for fun. Yeah, I was going to say, if anything, it's probably just because it was in the game space more than anything else. Yeah, because, I mean, the TV show is lauded. Like, people love that thing. Right. Not that people don't love the games, but it's a space that now you would have people writing a whole bunch of papers on right like i mean we've seen stuff about the yeah. exploration mode in assassin's creed origins and how you can pretty much walk through it like a damn museum that's really cool um now that's not straight edutainment but what this does is something that a lot more people should be looked at it because ultimately um you look as tech you look at textbooks as our primers so as these things that teach us how to tackle life and give us the information that we need. Um, but as I just said, they're highly regulated and don't really have all the facts. Um, sometimes they have alternative facts. Um, 
And ultimately, games serve the exact same function as textbooks. And a lot of the times, because they are created in a very large multicultural environment, and a lot of times the result of multiple studios across multiple countries interacting, they present a more holistic view of what it is. Um, so video games deserve to be looked at like text and deserve to be looked at like textbooks. Um, and that's just kind of me as a former pop culture scholar saying these things are important and especially from a pedagogical lens. So a, a ped pedagogy is how you teach something to someone. Um, you trying to say I don't know what pedagogy <laughs> means, Kate? Pedagogy. Kind of, she's starting, starting to use all these big words. Pedagogy. So I, I don't know pedagogy what that pedagogy means. Is, how you give is that what you're trying to say? Education. That was not in my education. <laughs> <laughs> It's 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 the no, teacher but but, in me. but you're right. Like, yeah, no, yeah, like you're right. Like, I think a a big part of this is, the, I mean, because the science is there, right? Like, the pedagogy makes sense. Like, this stuff works. I think the problem is, is that it's history. Yeah. And for whatever reasons, kids yep, hate back. history, and I don't. I hate history. Kids don't. Kids hate history, but this game ages entirely well because it's history. Like, nothing, and they made, and they made like, updates that, too. So, like, in the reboots yeah, of like the game, the stuff still if works. geopolitics changed, they changed with it. Yeah, and that's that's something that you can't really find. I think and and that same realm, like, if you go back, I've, I've been looking at, like, all of the the education games I used to play when I was, like, little, like, Jumpstart and Zubinis and, and things like that. Most of those were, like, science and puzzle-based. There aren't a whole lot of the history-based games. And because, like... I think I think it's really it. I think it's just because it's history. Regardless of like how cool it is, kids don't like history for some reason. Well, I think if they like they rebooted this and brought it back with like maybe like some cooler graphics and stuff, like maybe it'll work. But I think it's just because school focus isn't on history; it's on math and but science. But so that's the thing. Like these were in almost every school. Like they had a very like the reason they have so many of them is because they were successful. The problem is, is it's they're harder to distinguish as something that's purely educational, like the Zumbinis or Jumpstart, because there's no real story there. They're just giving yeah. you different levels of different things to do, whereas this actually has a story to it, and it's more immersive and progressive in that way. Um, Probably harder to get in kids into, right? Like, if you only have, like, an hour of time with a kid it's yeah. easier to throw on two meetings well, and like figure out the pizza so, combinations so guess, than have carmen san diego yeah go so i guess thing. what i'm trying to say is this worked schools kept buying it because it worked the problem is is outside researchers so people like what i was doing looking back or education researchers looking back they don't necessarily look at video games as a medium that is a, at least for a long while they're starting to now, but as a medium that actually does get this teaching across. Um, but like they, this was everywhere. Like it was a success essentially with kids, but nobody really studies it. Well, you keep saying it's a giant success with kids, but I mean, we're on here and do we know a lot of people that, I mean, you have small amount of like, I guess, Stuff in here. I'm not saying it wasn't a success, but I just don't think it talked about like a lot of other things. And no, even though, as far as being either. a game space, I mean, we know that obviously the games aren't treated like, or people don't care about it when it comes to education for that, and it's, they're often ignored. But even for being as successful as you're saying it, I I don't actually remember this game in schools at all. I I got it from a school. And then I got it, and then all my copies I got it from uh, from the Pulga, from the flea market, on the resale from the school. Right. I mean, that's fine, all, but what I'm <laughs> saying is, like, games were still, like, we still talk about a lot of, people still remember a lot of games in the 90s, and this yeah. is not one of Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, no, I mean, that's fair. Like, that's totally valid. I think, I, I personally think that, just, like, after, like, reading everything and stuff like that, I think the reason it gets pushed to the side is one, it's in a time where owning a gaming system and owning a computer is ridiculously expensive. Um, and if you're only, your only exposure to it is school, I think it makes it harder to stick in people's memories. But it is undeniable that Carmen Sandiego, or where in the world is Carmen Sandiego, is something that you can say to anybody and they will get the reference, whether or not they actually played yeah. the game. 
I guess it's just like the history part so, of like I guess you said of like people get the references but nobody actually knows. I don't know. I think I, I yeah. So like, what do you, what do you think the 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 fix is? Like, do you think that I've, video game studios no, should take more of like a Carmen San Diego approach and kind of like make people learn without them knowing that they're actually learning? So I think like they kind of like Tomb Raider kind of teases a whole bunch of like Inca yeah. history that you never would so have thought about. So that's one of the reasons why the game was praised is because it got kids into a space where they just thought they were playing a video game and they weren't necessarily like think like learning didn't feel first and they didn't feel forced into it um and i think that that is the way to go i i do think the reason why it was overlooked is because it is it's not extremely straightforward you're right on the history thing like we need to and we also do need to prioritize math and science in this country because gosh we are behind like i really Um, think it's more with the hit i'm going with kind of adrian part of the history part we need steam matt Add in, add in the A, damn it. No, we don't. But we don't need any A. We don't need the arts. But we're fine. and Matt, we're not going there. Um, <laughs> no, like overall, I do think it's timing hurt it because it is at a time where video games were really throwaway, and it was kind of the first one to set up stuff. Um, yeah, and it that's wasn't... what I was gonna say too. Because if you look at through, if you're looking through these games that I'm looking at, like all of them come out like right, right. after. Like right after, so this is, is a huge saturated market too. Yeah, I, I think it just, and I think it's actually pretty cool to kind of look at it on the podcast. I think on the podcast we've talked about a lot of stuff who, who are the first and they stay on top as the first, and then I think this is one of the first examples of something being the first, and even though it's essential for everything else that comes after it. Um. It's so you're there. like the person who made the trip, but you died at the end. But you made the trip easy for everybody afterwards. No, it's more like the guy who invented <laughs> penicillin and then sold it to everybody, and then everybody remembers everything else. I guess that makes sense, yeah. Like, so the guy that basically made it to the end, but then died, so everybody else can make it easier. <laughs> no, 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 no. The guy who well, said the world... Yeah, I'm thinking Oregon Trail. Right? He's no, the guy no, that no, made no, it to no, Oregon, no, no, no. but died. But by golly, that next trip, they knew how to get there. Nope. <laughs> no, it's the people... It was the guy who discovered penicillin and said, I don't need to keep making this stuff. I'm actually going to do better for the world and send it everywhere else and did not copyright it. Or yeah, basically, he it. didn't patent it, basically. His yeah, whole thing. He, he didn't patent it so everybody else could use it, and he didn't get rich. Because he was a good person. I know. So he's like the guy in the Oregon Trail that died. Oh my God, Matt, no! (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, ultimately, no matter how you slice it, Carmen Sandiego does have a really big footprint, whether you look at it, the stuff that comes after it, or, like, I remember this stuff. Like, I know that y'all don't, and y'all didn't play it, but I played a crap No, I remember playing it. And, like, honestly, like, this is, like, it just worked in well, but I was also a kid who loved history. Like, I got freaking yeah. a lot of... No, like, I was like, are we really trying it? to talk about I didn't play education games? I played so many. I just don't care for history. Yeah, so, like, I'm, I'm on... Like, I wish I would have I mean, played this game. I remember playing this game, right? and I remember uh, playing some of them, but I just... It doesn't stand out to me. Yeah, but I think I think it goes... At least in my situation, it kind of goes to what Kate was saying, where um, it's... it's uh, a lot of people didn't have computers at their house during this time. Like, I didn't have a computer at my house until, like, the late 90s um early 2000s so like when i was playing those education games like jumpstart and number cruncher or number muncher and like all that stuff those because that's what the school provided so i could only play what the school provided me and all of it was like math and science based i wish i could have played this game when i was younger because i would because i would have loved it because like if you look at the other stuff like if you look at jumpstart um like if you look at specifically the jumpstart series which was completely focused on like you're actually in a school setting like I just think the fact that it is so different and immersive as a game itself makes it stand apart from a lot of these other learning video games, which are like you're straight learning this thing and that's it. Um, you, yeah. about, you didn't like doing math problems for fuel to race the car? No, I did. I had all those games. I got full tank every time. <laughs> People would always die on my Oregon Trail. Yeah, so I could do the math problems to get the fuel. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm looking through through articles. Um, Again, like, like like you were saying, Kate, and there's just really nothing on this that says all of it is, like, Nintendo stuff or, like, Lego stuff. None of it is arts 
related. So I don't yeah. know if it's ever going to get back into schools like it was. I guess like when you when you had it in your school, you were lucky enough yeah. to have it there. I don't know if it's yeah, ever going to happen. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I mean, I think too is like as I have multiple degrees in liberal arts and specifically yeah. history and the anthropology and like people. But unfortunately, our country is at a freaking turning point that if we don't actually invest more money into our science and our math and actually get our people like up there, we are going to start to, to start. To yeah, I was like, I'm a person with multiple. Yeah, I was like, I'm. A, you keep talking about your little thing. I was like, I'm a person with degrees in actual sciences. Yeah, no, and that's fair. And I'll and argue we need more money, way more than the arts. No, you do. You you genuinely do. I mean. That's kind of just how it ends up because that's what makes everything go round, and we have people who don't even believe in climate change. So, like, we obviously need more money there. Yeah, but people also need to know where the Pacific yes, Ocean they is. Do. Like, <laughs> and I think it's a lot easier to do. So we'll just put a video game in from front of somebody and let them figure out their geography. Nah, we'll do it the lemming style. <laughs> they run off the cliff into the ocean. I guess that's what happens. Jesus. But the other thing that goes into this too, like there's nothing that would keep Carmen San Diego from being adapted into a science environment either, especially because you already True. have her adapted for math and you had her already doing experiments and um, inventing stuff and everything like that. If it's been adapted to things like astronomy, language arts, and math, you can easily extend it into STEM. Um, and with the last thing, not necessarily about why though, but Carmen Sandio is coming back on the new Netflix show, like we said at the top of the show, this Friday. Um, so that's one of the things that I personally would like to see it go into, kind of like use its pool to do a multitude of stuff. Um, the cool thing here is not only is Rodriguez starring in the show, but it's also produced by her company called I Can and I Can't, I Can, I Will. Um, and she founded the company in 2016 after the Oscars failed to nominate any people of color for major awards. And contrary to other women-owned production country companies, she actually does what she says. Natalie Portman. Oh, tell him. Tell him. Um, I still so, love that fun fact. Oh, God. Nat that Natalie Portman owns a production company and like has never had a film like directed by a woman and yet tried yep. to call, call everybody out. Anyway, um, there is one concern for the new show, other than eh, some of Rodriguez's stuff, um, is that people are worried that the new show is going to focus a lot more on fashion and animated looks over the facts. Yeah, because um, you arts people. No, because it has nothing to do with arts people. Really? Arts what people, is art? Art is fat. Fashion is art. Well, history is considered a liberal art. Well... But we're not talking about that. We're talking about fashion. <laughs> no, 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 not, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. No. Ultimately, no, no. You, have, you have two. You have two liberal arts people here, Matt. We're just going to yell at you, and then you're a science person, so you're just not going to listen to anything we say when we give you the facts about arts. So. No, you give me all your like no. fancy like. No, 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 no. I don't care about your hippiness. <laughs> um. Anyway. That's one of the major concerns is they're worried that the way the animation has gone and edutainment has gone and everything that we've seen from it, we haven't actually seen anything that has to do with Carmen Sandiego um, being involved in history or math or any of the educational aspects. There's also nothing to dissuade it. So we don't have a lot of information on the series other than the opening credits. Um, so we're kind of going in blind because Netflix is really good at putting you blind into their shows. Um so it's up in the air as to what it will be. However, they're really worried that they're going to make Carmen Sanigo more focused around her image rather than the historical education of the kids watching it. Do you think? Do you think they'll do it like, like kind of like Wild Thorns, Barry? If they do completely get away from the the education aspect of it, I mean, at the least they can do right is kind of go Wild Thorns, Barry, and give you different cultural things and kind of teach you when you're nope, not really I'm gonna knowing hate it. that they're teaching it's you? not focus on education and like history and extra stuff i'm gonna hate it yeah so i mean i think they could do that but i think for me if that happened i would be really upset because it, it's a dis because it, it's a Same. disservice to the series yeah. and to yeah. the source material to the source material but also like the legacy that this has yep so if they do anything but use it as educational television i'm i'm not gonna be happy with it as a person who watches a lot of educational television, I would be very upset and just hate it. 
Yeah. I haven't I haven't watched the trailer, but is she is this another thing like where like later on in her her like history where she kind of got away from the vile thing and now she's like a good guy. Well, yeah. Or... So I mean, like she's always been a part of vile, and and in the reboot, essentially, or in the animated series, what it was was that she was such a skilled spy and detective at Acme, she wanted to do something more challenging. And so she ended up going to Vile and taking it over. So what it looks like from the trailer and from the little spots that we've gotten is that she's a Vile agent who no longer wants to be a Vile agent, um, which is kind of similar gotcha. to her strong, like, moral backbone that she has. And, like, she has, like, certain guidelines and rules that she won't cross and why she becomes an anti-hero instead of just being, like, a villainess. Um, but other than that, like, that's all we know. Because the intro is actually really cool. The animation style is really awesome. Um... Uh, but the intro just shows her running through different places, um, geographical places. So it, it's hard to know where it will go. Um, but yeah, if it's not educational, I'm I'm gonna be pretty pissed. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, so I guess just kind of guess final thoughts, if you have any, on um, Carmen San Diego. Um, sure. Um, I do remember playing. I do remember the show on Fox. Uh, I do remember playing some of the games. I remember the space one for sure. Um, it was cool. <clears throat> I enjoyed it. Um, I probably will definitely probably watch this show when it comes out because I do remember watching, like I said, one of just education TV in general of cartoons at this point. And if it's not, I'm probably going to be very disappointed. And we'll see what happens, I guess. Yeah, I mean, for me, um, I don't know why that, like, this franchise, like, this series, like, this character just wasn't in my childhood. I I, I really just don't know why. Um, I kind of wish she was, just because I think it would have propelled, like, my love for, like, history and, like, problem solving and stuff like that. Not that I didn't have those things, but just listening to Kate talk about it, like, this would have been definitely up my alley if I played it when I was a kid. Um, I'm sad that there isn't more games like this, because, like, if you go look at... Like, best games for kids, it's, like, Fortnite and, like, Minecraft. And nothing against Minecraft. Like, Minecraft has, like, lots of benefits to it, but not the way that, you know, some of the other education games that we had growing up has on, like, teaching actual skills, not just, you know, building blocks with and hitting creeps. Um, and making pizza. I'm excited to see what... Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see, like, where the series, the series goes. Like, I'll definitely watch it. I hope it is educational. Um, but if it's not, I imagine that they're, maybe they won't, well, maybe they won't, because no one really knows, they like, she's not as relevant to, I think, the, the public eye, other than, like, the memes and stuff, so maybe they can get away with not having educational things in it. Um, I hope they don't. I would, like, love to play these games on stream, um, just to go through them, but, like, the game is old, and I can't find there it There is anywhere. a Facebook game. So if you have a... They have, like, a Facebook app game. No. When, like, Facebook no. started their no. mobile gaming no. pieces. no, no, no. no. <laughs> So if you if you have an old copy or you you're you're in a thrift shop and you see you see this game, send it to me and I'll play it because I want to play them. Yeah, the Facebook game where you get to play one country and then you have to wait twenty four hours unless somebody sends you a ticket. Oh, wow! Microtransaction mobile games. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I obviously I remember the series really fondly. Um, I have a whole bunch of memories of her and playing them and really just like getting more into my love of history and learning a lot of like some of my favorite things I've learned from that game. Um, but kind of just reading what you guys said, and as I already said, if this new series is not educational, I'm going to be really, really, really pissed off. Um, I mean, again, this is a concern, like we haven't been shown one way or the other. This is just something that people are worried about given the current state in kids, like, in edutainment, essentially. It's more aesthetic than, um, than educational. Um, and this goes for all ranges of video games and, um, television series. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much all I have. As always, rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you're listening. It is the easiest way to support us. And if you want to join the conversation, you can find us at PC on all social media platforms. Uh, and you can find me at Randier on Twitter. Adrian? 
Yep, you can find me on Twitter at SuperReese93, S-U-P-E-R-R-U-I-Z, 93. Matt? You can find me watching the Temple Run kids fail every time because I don't know if there's ever a kid that is actually successful at that. There were like two out of thousands. <laughs> yeah. I thought for sure we were going to have to find you in San Diego. <laughs> no, probably like in a ditch in San Diego from drinking too much. Actually, fun fact, Carbon San Diego is actually from the Bay Area. Oh my god, they would do that. <laughs> they would do that to poor San Diego. I mean, Jesus. there's also plenty of ditches you can find me in there, allegedly. <laughs>